This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel 17. Familiar story, and I've been just reading it this last week or so. And it's amazing that a familiar story just when you read it again. Just some of the ways that the Lord can bring fresh things to you and new things to you. And just because it's familiar to us, let's not switch off. But let's just read some, some verses. The story of David and Goliath. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in, in Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up a line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. I'm going to read some more verses in a minute, but just verse 8 there. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And it always amazes me that this is the army of Israel. And when you read about the army of Israel, especially in, in, in the time when they came out of Egypt in, into Exodus, Deuteronomy and Numbers, and on into Joshua, you find the army of Israel that no one can stand before them. You find that they're, they're, they're an army that strikes fear into all of its enemies. And the contrast is really prominent here. That here is the army of Israel. And the Philistines have come up against them. And they're afraid. And they are frightened. Verse 10 says, And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That's such a contrast to what God's people, Israel, used to be and what they are at this time in the, in the reign of Saul. Because this Philistine has come up and he has stood and he has shouted and he has defied the ranks of Israel. And they're struck with fear and they are dismayed. There's something wrong. The power of God has gone from Israel. 
the reputation that they once had, that they struck fear into all the armies and enemies around, the reputation is gone. You know, you think of the story of Jericho. It says Jericho was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. But here we have a Philistine shouting and standing and defying the armies of Israel. You know, in those days, some of the armies, what they would do to save a lot of bloodshed would be what Goliath the Philistine was doing here. They would send out their champion and the other army would send out their champion. And whoever won had the victory. And this is what he's doing here. Now, what would happen most of the days that the armies would come down, especially in the morning when it started, and there would be a lot of shouting, saber rattling, as we probably would call it, swords and the spears, and there would be loud shouts going up, and then it would all settle down again. Because it says this went on for 40 days. 40 days Goliath defied the armies of Israel. In verse 20 of that of verse, it says about the, and David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going to, out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And that's what they were doing. They were shouting a war cry. But again, Israel is shouting a war cry. But that's all it is, is a shout. There's no power behind it. There's no force behind it. It sounds like this is a great army, but they are afraid and they are dismayed. And I, and I think this sometimes puts me in mind of the church, that there are times in the church's history when there's been great successes. You think of the first century church, we think of the apostles going forward and the great successes. And we've been talking recently about the great revivals all over the years. And they had something to shout about. The church was powerful and the church was strong. But sometimes within the church, we're still shouting the cry. But the power has gone. The anointing has gone. And this is what has happened here between Israel and the Philistines. And it's a sad state. It's a sad state. He stood and he shouted. And today there's many that stand and there are many who are shouting against the church. We've got to be honest with ourselves. That's where we are. There's many who are standing and shouting against the church. And there's a war cry sometimes within the church. But like some of the songs we're singing today, as Johnny was saying there about the miracles, we need a return to the power of the church of Jesus Christ. Where the miracles do come again. Where it's not just talking, but it is power. We need the power of God back in the church. But then in verse 12, it says, I know we've been jumping about just a little, and we will do that. Now David... And that's the great thing about this story. The great thing about this verse now, David, because God's setting us up for something that he is about to do. Now, David. 
You know the story of King David. David was a man with a heart after God. And now it is God's time to bring forth David. Now David comes forth. Now David. Now, most theologians, commentators say David was in his early teens here. 13, 14, 15, 16. I don't think he'd have been in his late teens, but early teens. Let's say maybe 14, 15, 16. But what a difference. What a difference in this man. I don't want to encourage all the young people in here today. You know, what age are you, Caitlin? 14. 14. And all others are just entering teenage years. Young guys over here, 22, 23, 24. I'm not going to rule the rest of you out. I'm not even going to mention your ages either. So I'm not. But listen, age does not rule you out. Hallelujah. Do you have a heart after God? That's what God's looking for. Those that have a heart after him. But David is in his early teens. And it's amazing. It says then, going on verse 16, where it says, And 40 days, 40 days, he shouted, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. 40 days. One commentator puts the 40 days like this. 40 days of monotonous repetition of Goliath's challenge showed the completeness of Israel's weakness and prepared the people to receive the one on whom God's hand now rested. 40 days. And day after day, they speak against the church. Listen, do you get tired of it? Are you tired of seeing the church spoken against? How are you tired of seeing God's name dragged through the mud? Because I believe we have to get to a place where we're tired of it. I believe we have to get to a place where we say, hold on, this is not what God intends. And I think when we get to that stage, that's when God can bring forth David's. He can bring forth David's. The taunts of the enemy will come, but it showed their total weakness. Forty days, and then God said, I've had enough. God had had enough. And again, just in verse, verse 25, if we look at how the, the, the Israel had, had looked at this. So David has come. He's come with the, the, the food that Jesse had given him for, his, for his, his brothers. And his brothers are here at the, arm, at, the, at, the, at the front line. And look at the differences here. There's some differences here that we need to see between how Israel thought and how David thought. And verse 25 says, And all the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. Listen, have you seen this man? Israel has fear of man. Again, that's why we have to think back of what Israel used to be like when they struck fear into their enemies. And here they're saying, Have you seen this man? And we can get bogged down with the fear of man. We can get intimidated. Listen, I've felt it. You feel it. But what are we going to do about it? Have you seen this man? There's two, there's two contrasts here. 
There's how the fearful see it, and there's how the faithful see it. And look what it says in verse, in verse 26. Or sorry, um, yes, in verse 26. And sorry, let's, uh, let me put it this way. And Goliath, by the name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. Sorry, we're in verse 23. And David heard it. It's amazing how the fearful and the fearful can hear a totally different thing. Where the same words can be spoken, but they can hear it in a totally different way. Saul and the army heard the threat, and it crippled them. David heard the threat, and he was insulted. It angered him because this Philistine had come against the armies of God and against God himself. Saul was crippled with fear, but David was insulted, and he was angry. Think of the story of the 12 spies. They went into the land. You know the story. They went through, and they brought all of the fruit back and the goods back, and 10 spies came back full of fear, and two came back full of faith. Caleb and Joshua, and says, let's go up. They're there for the taking. What does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Do we hear by the word of God today? Do we hear the words of the Philistine, or do we hear the words of God's word? Are we hearing by faith, and is that faith coming by God's word? How could David hear it? Simple. Because David was in a relationship with the covenant-keeping God. Hallelujah. That's his secret. David was in a relationship with the covenant-keeping God. Verse 32, David has said about all of these, all these words against the enemy. He's asked, what, what's going to be done for the one who kills this, this Philistine? And his brothers, I don't want to get into how his brothers stood against him, and there always will be opposition when you stand up for God. But in verse 32, he's brought before Saul. Now, this is the contrast. This is a 14, 15-year-old man talking to his possibly a 40 or 50-year-old man. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. There's something wrong. Saul is the king in name only because God has taken his anointing from him. But when Goliath had spoke and said, send out a man, the one who should have been gone was King Saul. He was the one that should have defended his people. And this is another state for this army. Saul wouldn't fight for his army, for his people, and his people wouldn't fight for him. And if that's the stage, the army is going to fall apart. The nation is going to fall apart. The church is going to fall apart. Saul was the one who should have went forth. And this is why it's even more a striking contrast when it says, David said to Saul, what? What sort of king was Saul? You know, Saul was a selfish man after the, the anointing had gone from him. He was a selfish man. And he was a frightened man. And he was fearful of David. But here's a 15-year-old coming to Saul. But David had the anointing of God upon him. 
David was a man who was in covenant relationship with God. David was very different. Very, very different to Saul. So youth is not an obstacle. There's four things I believe we need to notice about David here. Four things. David was a man who saw by faith. Verse 32, he says, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Verse 36, he says, and the, uns- this, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. And he's talking about the bear and the lion. And verse 26, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? David is a man who saw by faith. David hadn't come in and thinking, Can I take this man? Can I take this giant out? David came in and says, I'm going to take this man out. He wasn't frightened by the spear. He wasn't frightened by the sword. He wasn't frightened by the armor. He wasn't frightened by how tall he was, how big he was, what the size of his muscles were. David says, I am going to take this man out. How can he say that? Because he's full of faith and in covenant relationship with God. David is a man who saw by faith. Do you see by faith today? That doesn't mean that we don't get sort of pangs of faithfulness for want of a better way of putting it. But our faith overcomes our fears. When we know what God has said to us. David just didn't turn up and think, I'm going to, this is, this is, this, I'm going to take him out. No. He was full of faith because he was in relationship with God. Second thing he was, he was a man who was proved by God. He was a man who was proved by God and a man who had proved God. Because if we're going to prove God, he's going to prove us. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. What does it say? Verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a boar and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and boars, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David is a proved man. I know David's talking about a bear and a lion as an instance. But when you read further, he says, both, he struck down both lions and bears, plural. I don't think this was the first time. David just, I don't think, did this once. I think he'd done this many times. Because in those days, you know, it's not, it's not like being in the fields up around Marlin there. You know, it's, it was rough. There was plenty of lambs, there was plenty of birds. And David had to protect his sheep. He had to protect the lambs. But David was proved. And he was fearless. When the lion took 
the lamb, he went after it. He didn't think, well, I can't do anything about that. He went after it and he took it out of its very mouth and he grabbed it and he slew the boar and the lion. David is a man who proved by God and he is a man that has proved God. And this is the same thing. And this Philistine shall be like one of them. Do you know it's a different enemy? We're all in different places. And the enemy of our souls attacks us in all different ways. And at different times of life, he attacks in different ways. But it's a different enemy. But it's the same God. A different enemy, but the same God. And God can overcome all enemies. And he has called us to overcome all enemies. Different enemies in different ways. But we have the same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. David is a man who has proved, and he is a man who has proved God. The third thing he was, verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David was a willing man. Do you know, it's sad, I think, sometimes when someone who God has proved and in past has proved God and who has a measure of faith but who is not willing, who is not willing to go. How many have missed the calling of God because they were unwilling to go, because they wanted something else or it didn't suit their lifestyle or it didn't suit their plan for their life. That's sad. That's sad. To stand before God one day and say, God, well, I didn't, I want to do my own thing. But David wasn't like that. And the man full of faith and the man who has proved needs to be a willing man. Thy servant will go. What did Isaiah say? When he saw the Lord in Isaiah 6, he says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. One of David's Psalms says, Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will, O my God. Some of us do God's will through clenched teeth. It's better doing it than not doing it but it's better doing it with delight. Delighting in the will of the Lord. And David delighted in the will of the Lord. What does it say about David in Acts? And when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, this is God saying this about David, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. And we normally stop there. What does it go on to say? Who will do all my will? Hallelujah. It's one thing to have a heart. It's another thing to go and do all of God's will. We need to follow through with what God has put in our heart. This is where it goes from talking to acting. But God is with us. He will do all my will. 
of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a saviour, Jesus, as he promised. That's the next verse after. Do my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a saviour, Jesus, as he promised. Listen, when we go willingly and do the will of God, we're going to be, as it were, a saviour to someone. We're going to carry the word of God to someone and it's going to change their life. It's going to bring them from a place of darkness to a place of light. But who's going to go? It's going to be you and it's going to be me. Are we willing to go and bring light into a dark place? As God calls us. Listen, Claire's on the other side of the world. Why? Because God called her. Because she was willing. She's willing to go. She's trusted God for the last 15 years. Willing to go. Has she had hard times? Let's call them, has she had proving times? Yes, she has had proving times. But has she proved God? Yes. And God has come through for her. But she's willing to go to the other side of the world. Listen, you may not go to the other side of the world, but are you willing? Let me give you a challenge. The youth, they're looking for leaders. They're looking for helpers. Listen, are you willing? Do you know God's call in your life today? Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, it's going to cost this. And, I, you know, I'm going to have to give up my going for coffee on a Friday night and meeting with friends. But you know God has called you in your heart. Be willing. Be willing because some of these young people, you'll change their lives if you're willing. Amen. Amen. David had the heart, and he also had the willingness. He had the heart, and he had the willingness. Psalm 143, another psalm of David. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on. Let your good spirit lead me on on level ground. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. No greater reason to do God's will for him. Do you hear the call? Are you answering the call? Again, don't ruin yourself out and think, well, what can I do? David, Saul said to him, this man has been a, a man of war from his youth, and you've looked after sheep. Listen, God will anoint you. God will equip you to do it. Don't think I have to have all of these certificates and this and that. Listen, the calling of God upon your life is what you go with. And God does the rest. Amen. And fourthly, he was a man who saw by faith. He was a man proved by God. He was a willing man. And what did that automatically lead to? He was a victorious man. He was a victorious man. All of these things that God had used him for had come to this stage to come forward as a victorious man. Verse 39. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tra- this Saul has given the armor to, to David. And David has strapped the sword of his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. 
Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David and with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Just one of the things there I want to just point out as we read on. He put on Saul's armor. But David says it doesn't fit. I'm not going to defeat this enemy with Saul's armor or Saul's sword. So he took up his staff and stones and a sling. And I've seen this this way, and I believe God brought it to me this way. There's only one thing works, and it's the Word of God. Only one thing works, and it's the Word of God. And like Goliath, who disdained him, come against me with sticks and stones. But that's the most powerful thing that we have, is the Word of God. It's not going to be won with the sword. It's not going to be won with the armor. It's going to be won by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's many in this world, and sadly many within the professed church, who disdain the Word of God. But it's only the gospel that works. What does the Bible say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel, just the gospel. Just the gospel. It wasn't the gospel and it's the gospel. And it's the preaching of the gospel. And many, I notice within churches, it's programs. And I know we need a certain amount of program. And we need to think, have things good and in order. But listen, if it's at the expense of the Word of God, then it's wrong. If it's not the Word of God, it's wrong. Because only the gospel works. Listen, you can bring someone out of the gutter, you can clean them up, you can wash their hair, you can give them a new suit of clothes, and they're still rotten on the inside. The only thing that changes that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And the sooner we learn that, the better. We don't need this, this someone else's armor, someone else's ideas. We don't need the world's ideas. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Underline. There's nothing more can be said. Just the gospel. David came against him with sticks and stones. The gospel. And he defeated the enemy. Amen. He defeated the enemy. He prevailed with sticks and stones. Verse 47, he says, And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wonderful what God does. And the world disdains it. 
God uses it, and it's the most powerful thing we have, the Word of God. And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to, to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Everything's totally the opposite with David. When the Philistine came, the army ran away. This time he arises, day 41. Don't know if it's literally day 41, but for 40 days he came, 41, something changed. The army ran away. This time he arose and David ran towards him. We can't be, don't be afraid of the enemy. Yes, we'd be worried of his devices, but we're not to be afraid. He is afraid of us if we're in covenant relationship with God. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that the, their champion was dead, they fled. There's always one big mouthy person. There's always one big mouthy person. But listen, you take him out and fear comes upon our enemies. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron so that the wounded Philistines fell in the way from Shariim as far as Gath and Ekron. Do you notice what happened there? David's victory poured life back into the armies of Israel. David's victory poured life back into the armies of Israel. Now we could turn around and say, oh, but they just jumped on the bandwagon. Regardless of whether they jump on the bomb wagon, that's the right place for them to be. David's victory poured life back into the army. All of a sudden, they came alive. And this brings me to the place of the leadership of David and the leadership of Saul. Saul led these men, and he was a fearful man. And we be careful who we follow. Be careful who we are friends with. Be careful who we, we hang about with. Are they people of faith? Are they people who love the word of God? Or are they people that are walking fear and worry and doubt? Now, yes, if they're Christians, we've got to encourage them and bring them on. But listen, don't let them pull you down. Be careful about who's leading you. But David led these men to victory, and they were filled with the Spirit of God again. And they went after the enemies, and they killed them. And the people came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul, Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, where was he? <laughs> the commander of the army. And they said, as your soul lives, I do, he asked who he was, I do not know. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine still in his hand. And I just, it interests me that he just comes and he's not letting go of his trophy. He's not letting go of it. Brutal, 
but he's not letting go of this trophy. And it brings me to the point with, where in, in, in the past when God called them Ebenezer's, this was, God, this was David's Ebenezer. Amen. Every time he looked at his head, I beat him. I destroyed him. Hallelujah. He didn't get a look in because God was with me. Because God was with me. Amen. David was always quick to give God the glory. But I looked at the head and he thought, with God I can take anything on. No enemy is too great. No enemy is too big. Yes. David was a victorious man. The army's hearts were restored. We need the heart of the church restored. Yes, amen. Do you know what interests me? Just we'll finish with this. When he killed, when he, when he struck Goliath in the forehead, he fell forward. And if you could just back just a few, few chapters... In First Samuel, and this is the story where the, the, the ark was captured by the Philistines, and the, 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 the ark, ark had been captured by the Philistines, and they brought it back into their camp. And it says, "The word of Samuel came to all Israel." Let me just get my right verse. I don't think I wrote the right verse down, so let me just do it now. And when the Philistines captured the ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ishdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. That's their God. And when the people of Ishdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And listen, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Isn't it interesting that Goliath was the champion of the Philistines? Here's their God, their champion God. And he's lying face down with his head cut off. Goliath, their champion again, has come and his head's cut off. Amen. Defeated Amen. before the armies of God. Defeated before the presence of God. Amen. Are you full of faith today? Yes. Now let me be honest, maybe you're not. But do you want to be? Have you been proved by God? Have you proved God? Maybe you're in the middle of that. Do you have past victories? I'm sure you have past victories that God has brought you through. God's been preparing you. But are you willing? Are you willing to serve God? And if you're willing to serve God, God will make you victorious. Thank you, Lord. The enemies will still come, but you will have victory over them, and I will have victory over them. David was the real king. Saul was king by name only, but David was the real king because God was with him. God wants to be with us today. He wants to encourage us today. 
Are you ready for it? Do you want to be victorious? Do you want to see the church again victorious? Or see this church victorious? Standing strong in faith and seeing the miracles of God. Not for the sake of seeing them, but they just happen because the, the God's presence is here. We glorify God. We lift him up and we exalt him. David was the real king. He was God's man, willing to do all that God wanted him to do. That's all God's looking. The details he'll look after. But are you willing? Are you going to be God's man, God's woman, God's young person? Don't rule yourself out. David was 14 or 15, so you can't rule yourself out. I believe God wants to bring back the presence into his house. And he wants to fill us all with new life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Praise you and worship you. Praise you and worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is only your word that we need. Lord, your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray for your people this morning that that sword will go into their hearts and that, Lord, that they would hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with fresh, freshness and new life. Yes, amen. Lord, we be honest with you. We want new life. We need new life. Lord, like the song we sung earlier, you are water to the desert. Lord, we may be in a desert place, but Lord, the water can come. We would ask you, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us afresh. The Lord, that our faith would once again grow, Lord God, would be strengthened, Lord God. The Lord, in the midst of the battles of life, Lord, that we would be victorious because of your anointing. Lord, that's the only way we're going to overcome is because of the anointing of God. Lord, we ask you to come. We tell you this morning we need you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're willing to do it, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to be willing to receive and to do for you. Lord, you are worthy to be exalted. You are worthy to be glorified. I ask you to bless your people this morning. Let them know your presence. Let them know your touch, Lord God, in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.